SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. On SAFM. In June, Ethiopia's parliament confirmed that the national elections scheduled for August 2020 would be postponed for up to a year because of COVID-19 pandemic. That decision was heavily criticized by opposition critics, with many accusing the prime minister of using the pandemic as an excuse to unlawfully extend his mandate. Tigray's Tigray People's Liberation Front, that's the TPLF, denounced the decision, labeling it unconstitutional, and declared that it would unilaterally unilaterally hold its own regional elections as scheduled. Of course, tensions between the federal government in Addis Ababa and Tigray's regional government have been running high for some time due to this decision and the prime minister's relations with the Eritrean counterpart of his. Although the escalation remains shocking, analysts have warned for months that conflict loomed large. Neither side has heeded calls from both the AU and the EU to commence dialogue that would de-escalate the situation. To help us unpack the escalator tensions, we're joined on the line from Addis Ababa, Mr. Zacharias Zalalem, who's a journalist of the Addis Standard Middle East Eye. Sir, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Perhaps from what I've read, what are some of the issues that remain between June and now and that are still highly contested between the government and Tigray People's Liberation Front that is the basis for the continued stalemate? Well, as you mentioned at the top of uh, your report, um, one, of the, um, one of the primary points, contentious points, was the TPLF or the Tigray Regional Government's insistence that there be uh, general elections held uh, as initially scheduled in August. The elections were postponed um, by the government who cited the um, coronavirus uh, pandemic and the worsening outbreak. However, opposition elements in the country uh, called the move to postpone elections um, unconstitutional and illegal. And it's the source of the fallout. It's one of the uh, pushing factors that led to worsening tensions. Um, however, tensions between the regional government and the federal government date back pretty much to 2018. Um, but obviously this year we've seen a dramatic uh, worsening of ties and the outbreak of military conflict last week. Was it at any point justifiable to extend the national elections by what seems to be at least a year. So what should have happened in August 2020 is going to happen now sometime in 2021. Did that at any point have merit in it? I'm trying to think what the federal government was thinking in relation to that decision. Well, the constitutional argument is that in the case of an emergency, like a global pandemic where elections are to be postponed, um, government must be formed of a coalition of members of both the political opposition and the government. So a joint uh, leadership uh, agreement should have been reached prior to the expiration of the current government's mandate. Um, Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed refused to uh, entertain such ideas, and he said that the postponing of the elections for up to the year was, uh, in his words, uh, in the interests of the common good of the Ethiopian public, 
something that has the opposition and the and the government at odds. Um, of course, that's uh, I mean that would be an argument for the legal experts, but I do think that um, either side uh, could have reached a settlement on the issue uh, without a total breakdown in the negotiations, because that's what happened over the course of uh, May to uh, September 2020. Without at all getting into the legalese of it, and you are right, it could become a technical legal question. I suppose the follow-up question on everything so far that you've said, do we have a date, provisional or even cast in stone, of when what should have taken place in August 2020, being the general election, will take place only in 2021? Is there such a date? Um, like like a projected date for the for the elections, you're saying? Some form of guidance in relation to when, more or less, then the election will take place. Is there anything coming out of the government on that? And that's the other sticking point. Um, there isn't. The government has been somewhat vague, and it has pointed to uh, the pandemic and said once the Ministry of uh, Health declares uh, gives us the, the green light to push forward once it's it's declared safe. Uh, we can push ahead with elections. But of course, um, the pandemic, as of today, the confirmed cases passed 100,000 in Ethiopia. And it's very hard um, to put a, you know, a timetable for when that might be. So all we know for now is that elections will be held in 2021. Does that mean January? Does that mean December? Um, it's, the jury is still in on that and it's, uh, rather vague thus far. Ethiopia is an important party in the region of East Africa and together with Somalia, Eritrea, Kenya, Ethiopia is in many respects threatened by the continued rise of terrorism. Could a decision like this not further fuel or fan such threats to the sovereignty of the region? I mean, absolutely. Um, we're talking about a region uh, that's been war-torn, considered war-torn for much of the past uh, two to three decades. And are we already seeing the spillover of this crisis? Uh, today, something like uh, a thousand or so Ethiopian refugees fled the war-torn areas of Tigray for Sudan. Um, so you, we already have in Ethiopia, which is, by the way, a country with one of the worst uh, internally displaced population issues, something like 2 million people internally displaced as of last year, we're going to see that number exacerbate. And then with the spillover, we'll see the exacerbation of uh, the migration, uh, the migration crisis uh, in the region. And besides that, um, the conflict in the area and the involvement of uh, Eritrea uh, will likely see proxy elements uh, be deployed by both countries. So uh, everything is ripe for the destabilizing of a country like Ethiopia. And with Somalia uh, long, been a, long being a war-torn country, um, with Eritrea under two or three decades of uh, uh, military junta rule, it doesn't spell well, it doesn't uh, bode well for the stability of the region. Uh, when you look at uh, what's up, what's at stake, you, you know you you've referred to the region, and perhaps I should have brought that question a little earlier because it is a complicated question. You mentioned the fact that it's three decades counting that the region has been destabilized by civil war. Do you just want to give us a bird's eye view then in relation to Ethiopia, Eritrea, Somalia, 
Kenya. What is going on that is the cause of this political instability such that when what is happening now in Ethiopia must be seen in a grave light and sense that would continue, if you like, the narrative that is already coming out of the region. A bird's eye view? I mean, a bird's eye view, uh, I mean, two years ago uh, when um, the, the much heralded era of reform uh, was announced in Ethiopia and a new prime minister that would later go on to win the Nobel Peace Prize came to power, um, there was lots of talk of um, regional integration between all the countries you mentioned, Ethiopia, Eritrea, Kenya, Sudan, Ethiopia. Um, there was greater ties to be explored, economic and social integration. These were the um, the main agenda talking points. It, was, it looked very promising uh, for much of 2018. Um, and now you see, uh, you, you're seeing uh, a country uh, barely able to reconcile its own domestic elements. Um, so uh, any prospect of, uh, of reuniting the, the entire region have been put on a hold because Ethiopia has, by the way, refused um, initiatives from the likes of the, the African Union and Kenya to resolve its own uh, domestic di dispute over the round table. And Abiy is insistent on pushing for war um, to uh, eliminate his domestic rivals in the TPLF. So from the, the bird's eye view, um, as you mentioned, uh, prospects or the much-anticipated hopes of a greater reintegrated East Africa are are put on hold now because uh, the military conflict will have Ethiopia on one side uh, alongside Eritrea and the likes of Sudan and Djibouti who aren't as friendly with Eritrea. It isn't clear where they might stand uh, in the event of a spillover of the conflict. So um, the different interests of the, of the countries in the region Sadly, they contrast, and these contrasting interests could lead to an exacerbation of the conflict. So we're going from having from uh, uh, dreaming of a reunited or reintegrated Eastern Africa or Horn of Africa to one that might be uh, conflict-ridden by the end of 2020. Um, as I as I said before, things don't uh, uh, things aren't pointing in a bright direction. But when Prime Minister Abe Ahmed took over. Not only is he a Nobel Peace Prize laureate and recipient, he almost came in with a sense of broad approval, not just from Ethiopians, but from the region as well as many on the continent, because he came across as an individual who would then be bringing the kind of stability that was required both in government and in society at large, and also that would have had the kind of confidence spilling over into the region. Where did it go wrong for him? Because here is an individual who was lauded on day one of entering office, and where we are now, the gradient is going down as opposed to going up. Of course, I mean when he came to when he came to power in 2018, uh, he took over a government, a country that had known tyranny for all of its modern history. And the previous administration, which had ruled with an iron fist for 30 years, was overthrown by people's uprisings because people had enough of this tyranny. And when he came to power, and among the first things he he did were, was to uh, to um, 
pardoned political prisoners, uh, free, uh, unjustly incarcerated detainees in the tens of thousands, um, allow media outlets who were formerly banned from operating in the country uh, permit to operate freely. Uh, these all uh, seemed so promising. Um, what, however, there were massive setbacks in terms of democratic freedoms starting from 2019. And as of this year, journalists being arrested is once again commonplace. Uh, most of the political opposition, including those who had been freed in 2018, have been re-arrested. Um, there have been major setbacks in terms of um, um, the things that had his rule so promising uh, in 2018. So in that regard, he has not uh, he has not remained true to his uh, reconciliatory rhetoric that won over so many Ethiopians and the world, as you pointed out in 2018. Mm. Um, sentiments are very different in in 2020 if you uh, uh, if you consult Ethiopians. And uh, when you look at these setbacks, it does point to his being perhaps unable to uh, implement what he thought would be the the, the recipe for uh, a greater Horn of Africa, uh, a greater, uh, more stable region at the very least. It definitely uh, casts doubt um, into the mind of those who thought that he was the man to lead this, to lead the region into the new decade. From what you have said, it does sound like typically when a democracy or what might appear a democracy is hard won, those who feel most entitled to the achievement of that people's liberation oftentimes tend to replace that dictator who no longer is there. Would it have the kinds of hallmarks in this case with Prime Minister Ahmed that is now trying to work out a political strategy that's going to have him in power for much longer than otherwise the Constitution would confer him? I mean, it certainly, I mean, it certainly points in that direction. Obviously, it might be speculation to um, point to... Uh, state what what is yet to come mm. um, however whatever the political settlement is um, you'd have to look at Ethiopia's domestic situation and point out that the major uh, opposition voices those who would have likely uh, proven the strongest challengers in any free and fair elections they are largely in jail or they've been exiled again um, the TPLF was, is, is literally the sole remaining of the uh, domestic foes who, aren't in, who have not had their leaders incarcerated and who, um, who have not been forced into exile. So whatever political settlement is to come from this point on, whatever negotiating uh, strategies um, you were to implement from this point on, the first thing would be would, you'd have to do would be to order the release of um, thousands of detainees, thousands of people who were arrested for protesting, for, for exercising democratic rights, people who were arrested in 2020, most of them. Um, and, uh, when, with, when you have a greater idea of what the domestic picture is, um, you would, you would uh, realize that it is Abiy Ahmed himself who, who, is, who stands to have to make the most concessions at this point because... Uh, um, the the prevailing narrative right now is that he, has, he sort of hijacked what was a people's uprising, uh, the uprising that brought him to power, and he used that uprising to consolidate his own position because he remained the sole 
um, the sole uh, the sole political operative in the country who who uh, operates unimpeded, whereas his opponents are behind bars. So as I said, he it, it, it's uh, the ball would be in his court in terms of uh, undoing um, some of the wrongs that we've seen him do in 2020. This sounds like a typical African narrative, which for whatever reason we cannot divorce ourselves from. Let's take a call, a quick one at that in Limpopo. David, good evening. You are on the line with Mr. Zacharias Zelalem. David? Hello. Indeed. Hello. Indeed. Yes, how are you? David, I'm well, thanks. Your question, please. Yeah, you know, this person is not talking through, you know. There is a problem in Ethiopia. He's not the one who caused this problem, Prime Minister. Abi Ahmed, you know, I'm residing in South Africa last for 20 years. We are scattered all the world because of the ethnic clash in Ethiopia, you know. Is that your Hello? is that your comment? Is that all of your comment? You know, we are scattered all the world because of ethnic problem. The one who caused this all problem is TBLF. You know, still they are struggling to hold that position. This person is trying to fix all the problem. What is it was happening for last 27 years, you know. Very well, thank you so, so much. So this person is not talking through. He's he's not Doctor Abi, the one who this all problem. The one who creating this all problem. You know, they want to hold that position again and again. You know, they want. You know, there's a lot of corruption. People are suffering. There's a poverty. There's a hunger. You know, it's only those those politicians they want to use that country as their own. You know, people that are suffering. That's the problem. You know, ethnic lies there. This person is not talking through, you know. Thank you so much, David. Let's give an opportunity to Zacharias to respond. I think that's a classic example of the first one to speak in open court always seems and sounds right until his opponent begins to question him. That's the book of Proverbs for those that were inclined. Zacharias, your response to David says you're not telling the truth. The TPLF or the well, problem in um, relation to ethnic cleansing? Definitely, David pointed out that... Uh, the previous administration, which was uh, run by the TPLF, um, left uh, ticking time bombs in the country um, after it uh, it was overthrown and, and its 27-year unchallenged rule of the country ended. Um, there's no doubt that uh, the damage that they caused to the social fabric of the country will impact the population for years to come. Uh, however, uh, be that as it may, in um, in 2020, for us to make any sort of attempts at uh, amending some of these problems, uh, I think it is of paramount importance that all the different political factions uh, be uh, permitted to attend the discussion forums um, and participate in dialogue um, around it around the table. So, for that to happen, there needs to be uh, a degree of um, freedom, a degree of operating space in the country. And uh, that space no longer exists. Most of these, uh, most of the people who who should have been, who could have been, uh, who could have uh, proven a very productive presence at the at the uh, dialogue table, are incarcerated and behind bars on charges uh, ranging from treason to terrorism. So I think it. Um, uh, I know it's uh, it might be uh, <laughs> tough for David to admit, but uh, we need to we need to, we, we would need to accept that. Um, the Prime Minister needs to make a concession in that regard and allow his uh, his political opponents to voice themselves um, without the fear of persecution. Well, 
Let's leave it there, Mr. Zacharias Zelalem, journalist at Addis Standard, as well as the Middle East Eye. Your thoughts in the rising tensions following the suspension, if you like, of the Constitution, what would have given the people of Ethiopia a general election in August of this year. We shall follow that story and its development with a keen sense of interest. That was the African narrative, thanks to the team here on SAFM Viewpoint. Thanks to you at home as well for participating, and most importantly, thanks to the guests who spent time on their own schedules to come, as always, educate us and give us a sense of enlightenment on matters of public importance that I believe every South African should spare time to give themselves time. Good evening, everybody. 2132.